Thank you, as always, for listening to Caleb vs. Self. Today, I get a chance to talk to Matt Knotts from the Anomaly Film Festival and the Beer Review Journal. It was a fantastic conversation. Had a shitload of fun. Uh, we talk about my disagreement with the Anomaly Snack Cake Showdown, his work with the Anomaly Film Festival, especially in the year 2020, all the great films that they had this year, how top nines on Instagram suck, as well as how Matt chooses beer for the Beer Review Journal. Uh, again, had a fucking blast. You can find them on all of the Anomaly platforms. They're on Twitter. They're on YouTube. I'll put links in there as well as the Beer Review Journal podcast. Uh, they also have a Twitter at Beer Review Journal. Uh, P.S. If you hop on there, I really like the choice of Hayburner for the Bills win this past weekend. I appreciate that, Matt. Again, I had a shitload of fun. I appreciate the conversation as always. And uh, thanks for letting me be part of the Lunch It Or podcast network, my guy. I hope everybody enjoys. So joining me uh, is Matt, Matt Knotts, of, at least from what I know, um, the Beer Review Journal and the Anomaly uh, podcast, as well as the film festival there. So well, first and foremost, I appreciate you coming on and just chatting with me. Hey, thanks for having me, Ken. So I got to start with Anomaly. That seems to be one of the bigger, bigger projects that you have typically going on. And given 2020 with COVID and everything else, it's kind of next to, I don't want to say impossible to hold a film festival, but it seems like you guys pulled it off. We did. We did. Uh, it's our, our second year in business. It's the Anomaly Film Festival. It's a genre film festival um, based out of Rochester, New York. Um, I don't know if you've really talked about where you're located, but that's where I am. Uh, Rochester, New York, Genre Film Festival. When we say that, people often ask what a genre film is, and it's anything that doesn't fall under the, the typical like drama or comedy umbrella. So it's a lot of sci-fi, action, horror, dark comedy, um, and stuff you really just don't know how to put your finger on. Um, last year, we did it at the, the Historic Cinema Theater. Uh, this year, that wasn't really an option. Um, so our friends at Eventive put up this really cool virtual platform. Um, and if you look at the local movie theaters here, the cinema theater and, uh, and the little theater, uh, a lot of their stuff, they have virtual cinema. They have films that they're, they're presenting as well. They all kind of work off the same platform. So we use that to kind of, um, build a film festival. We had, you know, 14 different, uh, features, a bunch of shorts, um, our own kind of goof em ups in between. We had a, a panel debating what the best little Debbie snack cake was. Um, I take interview. issue with that first and foremost, by the way. <laughs> Do you? What's your pick? Fucking zebra cakes all day, my guy. Yo, you know what? We, all we day. Him, a, a buddy of ours, Andrew Scott Bell, he's a, a composer. He he did the music for the film uh, December, um, which is great. It's a, a Christmas-themed horror anthology. Um, okay, nice. Amongst uh, some other stuff, there's a, a queer horror documentary that's going to be on Shutter soon, and he did all the music for that as well. Um, wow. But Andrew's great, and he swore up and down that zebra cakes were going to be the number one Little Debbie snack cake. I don't know. Are you familiar with how this whole thing shook out? I, I watched a good chunk of it. Strawberry? Are you kidding me, guys? Yeah, it was the, the strawberry shortcake roll. Our, our good friend, Harmony Colangelo. Um, kind of came in and, and hung out with us and, and we all discussed it. Harmony is awesome in her own right. Um, she's a, a bartender slash mixologist slash genre film writer uh, and podcaster. Um, she and her wife do a, a great podcast called It Ends at Prom. Um, 
I'll plug it. It's not on, on our podcast network, but it's still really fucking good. Um, but Harmony came in and just kind of, you know, helped us really understand how good the strawberry shortcake roll is. Um, I, I'm down I just, with it. Uh, I feel like if I had a chance to be on that, I could make a much more articulated and appropriate response as to why zebra cakes are the best. You get everything. You get you get the the hard shell. So there's a little bit of a of a bite when you actually bite into it. You get the soft cake in between and layered with a filling of of that cream. Like it's got everything you want. But I digress. Now here's you the guys thing: made your choice. <laughs> you get all that in a, a strawberry shortcake roll, but you also get the strawberry flavor. Strawberry flavor is not the best flavor. Okay, all right. that's that's the part that that I I, I take issue with specifically is that the artificial strawberry flavor is not a good flavor in my opinion. I, I can completely see it. Also, we found out <laughs> that the the pecan rolls are really good with a cup of coffee. Um, I could see that. Yeah, for sure. That, if we had to choose, that would be the adult little dabby snack cake would be the the pecan rolls i can't imagine a kid enjoying it but adults yeah Uh, i just remember seeing what was the other one that i saw in there oh cosmic brownie cosmic brownies suck they're they're great (laughs) they're great for pranks if you roll them up they look exactly like (laughs) shit and you can just place them anywhere you want and it makes it look like there's legitimate shit somewhere (laughs) they look like and taste like so that's the impressive (laughs) thing dude those things are fucking hideous (laughs) I don't know how they make brownies out of wax, but they really do it. Uh, the shelf life on those have to be decades. That half life. It's got to be what that is. <laughs> Hundreds of years. Oh, man. Well, listen, if you end up in Zombieland instead of looking for, what was he looking for? Twinkies? Or Twinkies, Ho-ho? yeah. Twinkies. We'll be looking for cosmic brownies, dude. My guy, nobody is touching those fucking things. Those things are left <laughs> on the shelf forever. Ah, uh, the only untouched thing in the grocery store after the apocalypse. Uh, well, the Anomaly Film Fest. So for 2020, you guys have best feature film uh, was Sleep, directed yep. by Michael Venice. Venus. Yep. Um, it's actually a really interesting kind of horror thriller. It kind of plays with, um, kind of jumps in and out of time, and uh, it it feels very David Lynch esque. Um, like I say, it is German, so it, it's a little, you know, it's subtitled, but it's excellent. Um, it's worth, it was actually a, a surprise that that's what won best film. Um, it was kind of a sleeper for us. Okay. We, we enjoyed it, but it wasn't the one we thought was going to walk away with the big prize, but, but it did. People. So people you guys do an audience voting system, right? We do. Okay. Yep. Do you have a separate one or have you ever considered doing like, um, you know, you guys as founders doing a separate, like, um, I don't even know what you would call it, but nomination well, or, or best feature or whatever, or best short or any of those. Well, we kind of look at it as, as we, in order to put the festival on, like we had, um, you know, the features and shorts that we had, we actually sorted through, oh God, it had to be close to 60 features and, you know, almost a hundred shorts, if not more. Uh, and, and what we kind of put into the festival is what we think the, the best that we had submitted were. Um, so once we kind of find those and find the ones that fit the anomaly vibe, we kind of let everybody else decide which ones they think are the best. Okay. Um, so I, we, I didn't realize you get that many submissions. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, 
it's kind of a, a year round thing. Um, we get our submissions. I think we're opening up our film freeway. If it's not open now, it will be soon. Film freeway is kind of the platform that we ask a lot of the, the film filmmakers to uh, submit their features and shorts. Um, and then um, our programming director reaches out specifically to studios for other stuff that he's interested in. And we get, we get screeners from them as well. Wow. So it's a really a year round pretty labor-intensive process i shouldn't say labor-intensive but viewing intensive process right no you're you're right in both aspects <laughs> so what part as far as labor is concerned is it like just getting all the x's nose lined up so that every november you can host this festival exactly there, there's a lot of stuff that lines up i mean um adam lubito who is our, our programming director does the lion's share of the work as far as getting the, the programming in he's got you know his, his his connections and all the, the studios we watch the the screeners but we also reach out to you know local businesses to see if they'll sponsor um book guests all that good stuff so it, it's uh it's kind of constant negotiations from february right up until november to make sure we have a show for everybody well it seems like you guys have done a fantastic job i mean everything from even as simple as just the website to the podcast to the videos you guys put up and just all the work that goes into it. It seems to be really well run. So kudos to not just you, but all, all your whole team over there. Thanks. It, it's, um, it sounds cheesy, but it, it's kind of a family affair. You know what I mean? It, it's there's, what are we up to? 10 of us doing it. Um, and everybody kind of brings their own flavor to the table. Um, Matt Deturk is our, our creative director and, um, he and Megan Murphy and, and Magnus Apollo, who I'd love to get on your show at some point. I think you and Magnus can get on like a house on fire. Um, but <laughs> we'll have to figure that out someday. <laughs> they they do all the visual stuff. Uh, I do the podcasts uh, along with again, you know, the, those same people I've mentioned, plus Aaron Murphy, a couple others. Um, we've got one guy. Our, our projectionist is is the best in the business. He works at the little. Uh, and it's it's Eric Myra. Eric tours the nation doing film festivals. He he's the the projectionist, one of the projectionists at Sundance. Um, and we're lucky enough to have him involved in the festival. So when we're in person, he's the guy up in the booth that makes everything look awesome. Um, gotcha. And he's world class. So it, it's it's pretty amazing that the resources that we have all put, put together, and it's just a blast to work with all of them. There, there's so much fun. Well, you mentioned the little, and I kind of want to go back to that a little bit. That's uh, a great theater here in Rochester, New York, where both Matt and I are. Um, that theater alone is the reason why, at least for me, I got into weird off, you know, movies. <clears throat> in high school, I went with um, some folks and, and we went to see a film called 13 Zemetti, which was like a Russian roulette. Uh, noir film that was French so it was you know same thing subtitles kind of like sleep I would imagine yeah my question to you with that is is when it comes to films in other languages do you feel like uh, Americans specifically in our culture miss out on a lot of that because we just don't want to read subtitles and with that like how much do you feel like we're really missing from all the great films that are out there oh my god Uh, tons um I think this year let me let me double check, but I think this year the majority of what we programmed, or not even not the majority, but probably half of what we programmed, um, was in different languages, foreign languages. 
Um, the runner-up was, right? Jumbo? Jumbo was yep. uh, French? Jumbo is French-Belgian, okay. um, which I highly recommend. That's a it's a love story between a woman and a tilt-a-whirl. Um, but it's it sounds like it's it's goofy um and it's not it's actually kind of a really sweet kind of off kilter love story um it, okay cuz the way you just described that makes it sound like it belongs on TLC yeah well that's actually <laughs> where it comes from it's really? based on the girl that yeah like that whole series they had where people were falling in love with the Eiffel Tower and all that uh it kind of shoots off of that um, okay it's a, a huh. woman who works at, you know, a, a theme park similar to what we'd have, like a, a sea breeze or a, a Darien Lake or a Six Flags kind of thing, you know, uh, and that's the new ride for the summer. And it's her job to maintain it. And she kind of, for whatever reason, takes a, a real shine to it. Um, and, and she has this connection that's a very romantic connection that she has between herself and this ride and how that plays out and how it works out with her family and, and things like that. It's, it's interesting. I'm not going to say it's not weird. It is. Um, but it's really kind of sweet. Well, I would expect most of the films uh, in your lineup here are not your prototypical blockbuster movies. No, we, we try to find, um, you know, stuff that's kind of further off the beaten path. Um, one that's kind of, you know, apropos for, for this year, and I think it'll be coming out on demand soon, and I, I can't recommend it enough. It's called The Columnist, and it's a, a Dutch movie. Um, and it's essentially a a, a woman who's, she's a, a, a writer, a newspaper columnist. She publishes her stuff, and then um, as happens on the internet, people comment, and um, she tracks down the, the ones that are the cruelest and the meanest, and... Um, pays them visits mm-hmm. and it doesn't usually work out that well for those those trolls sure. um it, it's it's very cathartic in a way <laughs> um, like in, in what in what context uh well you know you know how it is as a creator um there are people that don't really care about what you're making they're just trying to take you down a peg kind okay. of situation um, they're not really listening to what you're saying, just the fact that you're putting something out there. Um, and, you know, in, in her case, they're more taking shots at the fact that, you know, she's a woman or, you know, she's she's got a certain political viewpoint and, you know, she may find those people and push them off her roof. Um, yeah. I've been <laughs> a bit more fortunate since I haven't been doing this that long that I've just gotten zero hate. I've got no social media. I've got nothing. So I'm just doing this for at this point, the love of doing it and it's the love of the game that keep it pure, yeah. Caleb. That's what I have to recommend to you. Keep it pure. <laughs> it's, I don't know. I, I think at the end of the day, yeah, I, I can see where those would get cumbersome and, and frustrating when all you get is people just, you know, ripping on you and ragging on you. But at the same time, if you don't have any haters, then maybe you're doing something wrong. Well, yeah. I mean, you do want a certain amount of, you know, feedback, you want to make sure somebody's there, you know? Um, and it's, it's a challenge I've got with a couple of the shows that we've got where, you know, we're, we're trying to engage with people. We see our download numbers, but we never hear from them. Like there's all, there's maybe one or two people, but you know, it, it could just be somebody flipped it on cause they, they asked Alexa for something. It pops something out and they're like, Oh God, no, stop. It's, it's just sounds like whiny guys. 
Sure. Um, you know. Um, so there's that, but there's those others where it's just, you know, people really take exception to things you say and yeah. For for no so, other reason than than you're out there saying it. Right. So they so the premise of the movie is she searches them out and handles them to some degree. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um it, it's um for anyone who, who who ever has had, and this is primarily for the, 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 I, I would say maybe for the the female contingent in your your audience, um, if anything's ever been mansplained to you, you'll enjoy this movie. Okay. <laughs> There's a certain visual, visceral joy in in yeah. Yeah, I mean it. It definitely makes sense. I'm sure everybody, in some way, shape, or form, has a crappy boss or. You yeah. know, who knows? A horrible mother-in-law. Okay. I don't know. Some bus driver that's just an asshole to you. Who knows what it is, but... The, the, um, well, actually... <laughs> the point Dexter in the office that just corrects everything that you do? Exactly. You know how there's times where, well, actually, you're like, man, I'd love to see you impaled on garden shears. <laughs> um, the columnist is the movie for you. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, all right. I, I'll definitely have to check that one out. Um, I know you've already recommended a couple of movies to me and, and things even before this, but if I could move on, you guys did an interview with the folks who did the lack block, the last blockbuster. We did. Um, it was a lot of fun. Um, when you get these folks to, to come to do the anomaly film festival, when they submit their stuff, do you also then try to see if you can get opportunities to interview them as well? I know you've done a few, but I don't know, like what what is that process like, and how much homework you guys do. I know you and I have had conversations before as well, and doing some of these interviews, you've like watched a movie like ten times in a row just to make sure you get every single thing that you can get out of it. Oh sure. Do you do the same for most of them? Uh yeah. If I have to work with the the filmmaker, I want to make sure that I've I've kind of familiarized myself with with what they're putting out as much as I can. Um, you know, just, just to make sure we're kind of on the same page at a certain point. I mean, I know those guys are, are way more familiar with, with the last blockbuster than I am, but I want to make sure that I'm familiar enough that I can have an intelligent conversation, you know? So, so when you say those guys, it's uh, the rest of the team for lack of a better, but the, the filmmakers themselves, like gotcha. um, I, I, I can pretty much rely on the fact that my, my anomaly crew, you know, I, I call them the podcast or not. Like if we're going to do a thing for the podcast, I can pretty much rely on the fact that they've watched the movie once or twice just to make sure they can make it through an hour and not sound crazy when they're, they're talking about it, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, there, with, with any interview and again, you and I have kind of talked off mic about this. Um, you have to do your prep and make sure you know what you're talking about when you walk in the last thing you want. And we've all seen it in those, those press junkets where, you know, it's it's the actors or the director or whoever talking to somebody who hasn't seen the movie. All they've seen is the press kit. And it's the most just uncomfortable interview experience, you know, because they're just going, oh, so you worked with Tom Cruise on this one. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's on the poster. <laughs> you know, it's, I have it's, to imagine that happens a lot just because especially in some of those press junkets, like it's one person after another person after another person. There's no there's no break. There's that's just hours of just the same questions, the same people. Exactly. It, it's, it's 10 minute press hits. And that's what I found when I do these, these interviews with filmmakers. Uh, I've been lucky enough to either catch them either at the beginning of the, the press tour or the end. Um, you know, you do the anomaly 
film festival twice in your career, once on the way up and once on the way down. Um, I'm totally kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just nice to see these people back. Um, yeah. But yeah, no. So when I sit down with these folks, they're either they've been through the press junket a thousand times. So usually they get the same questions a thousand times. And it's just like pushing the button on the speaking spell. And that is so goddamn boring. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so instead, you know, you try to find a different angle and try to have a, a conversation about, you know, whatever there is in the movie that, that might be a little bit different. You know, with the last blockbuster, we ended up talking about um, <laughs> different weird things in each of our towns. Um, Cause those guys were from Bend, Oregon, obviously mm-hmm. we're in Rochester. So we were talking about doing a cultural exchange where they can come and check out the Hollywood liquor on Monroe Avenue. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll, okay. we'll, we'll go out and check out the, the weird bars that they have out in Bend. Um, it's stuff like that. Or I did one for extraordinary with um, Maeve Higgins. And at one point it's a great movie, by the way, if you haven't seen it, I think it's streaming on Showtime or at least it was. Um, but at one point she, um, she takes a frozen pizza out of the freezer and, and says, she's got to pimp it out by putting X, Y, or Z toppings on it. Mm -hmm. And the question was, okay, well, if you're going to pimp your frozen pizza, what are you going to put on it? Um, and it was such a weird non sequitur question for them. They forgot that it was completely in the movie and it kind of took them aback and it opened up this new avenue of, oh, Hey, these are human beings and not just, we're going to talk about it's a ghost movie they're in. So for you, when you guys have those, because I feel like you do that a lot. You did that as well with, um, oh boy, I'm going to have a brain fart now. Uh, Gremlins, the puppet yeah. story. You had uh, an interview for that one too. That was really cool. Is there a point where, or do you feel like when you guys have these interviews, you're like skating the line between you know press and being an interviewer and just being a fan? Well, I, I feel like... You know, you always want to kind of stay on the side. I, I don't know that we're either is the short answer to that question. Okay. Because um, I feel like if you head down the, the fan avenue too far, you end up turning into the Chris Farley show. You know, remember right. that part in Gremlins where the, they were all in the bar and swinging off the chandeliers? That was cool. <laughs> you know, there's that. Or right. if it's press, it's, so those were puppets? You know, right. right. <laughs> so you kind of find the, the middle ground. I, I feel like a good interview and, you know, I, I'm probably rehashing something a thousand people have said, but like great interviewers out there, like, you know, Terry Gross from Fresh Air or um, you've got, I mean, Howard Stern for, for as much as he's been doing it, you know, he's been doing it for what, 120 years at this point. Right. But he's a fantastic interviewer because it's not just about whatever the new project is. He kind of has these casual conversations that that head down avenues that, you know, folks usually wouldn't go. Um, and there's a, a an amount of comfort there where people will answer questions they normally wouldn't. Um, and I think, you know, I think that's the goal as an interviewer is to make somebody feel comfortable enough to have a conversation like they would if you were, they were sitting in your living room, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, I'm sure people have said that a thousand times as well but you know good advice is good advice and you know being in the right frame or in the right headspace or whatever that is for you as whether you're an interviewer or an interviewee uh, is always helpful but for me when you talk about interviewing at least in the rochester area i think of connections with evan dawson and you were on that 
uh, earlier this year before COVID hit for um, uh, a podcast panel, which I wanted to ask about because yeah. first and foremost, as far as podcasting is concerned, do you still feel like that's a growing area or is that kind of, you know, pittering, plateauing at this point with like the saturation of everybody and their grandmother, me included, trying to do some type of podcast? Well, you know, I, I don't know that it, it's plateauing in any kind of a way. I, I think, um, you know, I think it's important that if you've got something interesting to say, get out there and say it. Um, I'm somebody that came up wanting to do radio and just couldn't find, you know, airtime to do it. Um, and now I'm making my own and it's, it's fun. It's a good hobby, you know. Um, I'm never going to make money off of it. I don't have to, you know, this is just a fun thing to do. Um, so by that token, the game, right? Exactly. For the love of the game, you know, and by that token, I don't think it can ever really plateau as long as there's unique voices out there, you know? Yeah. Um, That's a good point. Because each person, each podcast is going to have their own flavor, whatever flavor that may or may not be. As opposed to, I feel like when you do, you know, radio or when you do TV or, or even movies, you know, a lot of them, there's a lot of voices in the room, a lot of writers, a lot of producers, a lot of executives that have to say X, Y, and Z, and these things have to be done. So it dilutes it down to this kind of formalized way of making content. Whereas YouTube and Twitch and, and podcasting, there's, I mean, for a lot of people, there's only one, maybe two people. I mean, present company included. I mean, it's just yeah, the two of absolutely. us with microphones in front of us, you know? Um but I, I think there's value to that because I, I think not to go too far up my own ass at this point, but like might as well. That's I, what I, I'm here for. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, you know, at a certain point as time has gone on and it, it, this is even a, a pre COVID thing that there, the, the idea of being in a, a public place and just having a conversation with someone has kind of gone away, you know, where, I don't know, our grandfathers would show up at the bar and then they'd have like eight or 10 people that they'd have conversations about, you know, however, whatever sports team was going or politics or music or whatever's happening, you know, they'd have their avenue for that. I I feel like that's kind of gone away, you know, in in our generation and further, you know what I mean? Um, I I don't feel like those avenues are out there quite so much. Um, And I think podcasting has kind of replaced that. again a really good point and something i've never really thought of yeah so when you watch like older tv shows or movies there's this at least for me there's this iconic image of you know dad comes home they're done with dinner hey honey i'm going to the lodge right and that's where they would go to to shoot the breeze catch up on like you said right sports or politics or news of the day or whatever's going on in the neighborhood And yeah you're right we don't we don't have that we have this weird advertised filled social media space that I think people try, but it's very one-sided. Oh, for sure. You know, and, and everybody is trying to get more and more outrageous to get more eyes on, on whatever they're trying to do. And, and you know, they pick the platform and there there's this, you know, kind of bizarrely crystallized version of whatever you're trying to put out there. You know, like look at Instagram right now. Everybody's got their, their top nine from 2020. Um, and a friend of mine put it up, put his up the other day and it was covered in, you know, pictures of them out on like picnics or grabbing coffee or, you know, uh, murals that they saw or stuff like that. And he was like, 
you know, you'd never know that this was the pandemic year. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> you would think we spent the whole year on the beach or hanging out outside or, you know, there's there's no there's no downside on, on that platform or, you know, Twitter. Um, I feel like I, I like Twitter, but I feel like Twitter can be a platform just to be incendiary, you know? Yeah. Like uh, just per- lobbing grenades exactly. all day long. That's what it feels like. But that's interesting. I haven't seen that. Although now I wish I had Instagram because I would do worst nine of 2020 <laughs> and have like a picture of me in a mask and, you know, shitting my brains out or throwing up or who knows what. That would well, be that, hilarious just to do the opposite. <laughs> that's it. I, I've seen so many top nines and all of them. I mean, it looks like this year it was a fucking banner year. Like everything <laughs> coming up Millhouse all year long. And no, like it, it's that's not pretty, real at all. No, it's been pretty obvious. This has been a dog shit year for everyone involved. <laughs> um, But yeah, you wouldn't know it from Instagram. Everybody's just out grabbing, you know, iced coffees and having a great time. Um. <sighs> You know, and there's right. a weird distorted perception for a lot of people that like, oh man, they get FOMO so easily. Right. And when you watch that all day long, like, yeah, guess what? You did miss out. But what did you really miss out on? The the 88 seconds in that day where somebody <laughs> grabbed a good coffee and, and sat outside and drank it before they went to their day-to-day drudgery that they didn't take picture of, picture of you know? Six out of nine of those pictures were taken in the same day. Right. Exactly. <laughs> You know, you, you don't know that after they drank that coffee, they ended up with food poisoning. They were down and out for a week. You yeah. Know, it's it's that whole thing. Or like I say, with Twitter, it's, you know, the, there was a whole argument today about a, an actor that, you know, has been training for a movie and he looks like a Lego guy now. And how angry people are that he doesn't look the way he used to. Because <laughs> his head is more square than it was. <laughs> who, who is it? It's uh, Kamel Nanjiani. Um, okay. Yeah, he was in the big sick. He's training for the new Marvel whatever movie. And right. he's jacked to to the gills. Like the dude is you know, he's been on the gas for a year. It's fine, whatever. Um, but he's getting like Barry Bonds head and everybody's like, Oh shit, he's getting Barry Bonds head. Um <laughs> I but, mean you're tra- you're training to be a, in a superhero movie, so Right. Don't be shocked that the man has a lantern jaw. He's going to be in a comic book movie. That That's what right. those are for. Have yeah. you ever seen a comic book? Right. Look at Chris Pratt. That year before he was whatever his name is. In oh, he was, the yeah. Galaxy. He was Parks and Rec Chris or whatever. Right. He looked like me. So, like, <laughs> let's not right. be surprised when this shit happens. But it was all days. turned into we're Hasselhoff. Right. <laughs> They've been talking about this for two days now. That's, yeah, that's interesting. It's interesting, again, from this idea of like social media being such a a place that fosters this weird sense of, I don't know, I'm missing out on things when you really aren't. And when it comes to podcasting, I do feel like there's a lot more genuine, funnier, like real conversations that you can listen to and kind of be a part of. And I feel like that's kind of where you're driving with the Lunch and Door podcast network. Oh, absolutely. I, I feel like um, if there's a common thread with... with everything that we're doing on there um really what i want to do and i think you've asked me this question like nine times i've never been able to answer it but here's an answer for you um (laughs) i want to be able to put podcasts out there where if you're in the car driving and we're having a conversation you're yelling at the radio or trying to get involved in the conversation yourself um i think that's really fundamentally where that that network comes from 
you know. Well, um, the idea of that network, at least from what I've watched, from what I've heard you talk about, it feels like there's the ability to kind of create a smaller community of creators or talkers, as I would call myself, because I don't create shit, but I can talk on a microphone. Don't sell yourself sh- short, Judge. You're an excellent slouch. Um <laughs> But, but creating kind of a bit of a community where if we run into pitfalls or shortfalls that maybe somebody else has run into, you can kind of reach out and kind of get some advice. And I mean, I know, like you said, I think I've asked you a thousand questions. One of them namely being, what the hell are you doing with the Lunch or Podcast Network? Where is it going? But I, I, I feel comfortable saying, hey, Matt, I'm having this technical issue, audio issue. Can you check it out for me? Yeah. And that has been really cool so far. Absolutely. And that's that's what I really enjoy. It's the community part is kind of twofold. Like everybody that's involved in the podcasts, um, I, I hope. And as we go, I think they'll, they'll kind of, you know, reach out and, and kind of create a community within, within ourselves, you know, like you can reach out to James or Aaron or vice versa. I would love to see like crossovers between everybody, you know, I don't know how much you're into wrestling, but we'll see. Um, but you know, it's, it's that kind of thing. Um, I'm, I'm into just talking to interesting people or people that at least I find interesting. That doesn't necessarily mean everyone will find them interesting, <laughs> but that I do. Right. Um, and what I've, what I've been working on a little bit so far is listening to those other ones so that I can get a better feel, better understanding for them. And then hopefully, hopefully soon I'll be able to reach out and, you know, bug them a little bit and say, Hey, would you mind me asking you a bunch of nonsense questions for an hour? <laughs> Yeah, no, and I think everybody would have a blast with that. I, I, I look forward to the conversation you have with Erin. Erin um, is one of the most interesting people I know. She hosts Moses with my besties, mm-hmm. um, and she's a fascinating human being. She's one of my favorite people in the world, um, and she's great. She's just got a completely different angle on everything. Um, I love her to death. Um, I <laughs> Kind of unofficially uh, uh, sibling relationship between me her and her sister at this point I, i'm i'm the official i think fourth murphy brother at this point okay um, so but yeah they're 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 terrific um and i, I look forward to to you and aaron getting the chance to get to know each other and talking a bit because i think you know you, you'd have a lot to talk about um, it, it'll definitely be a lot of fun i feel like for me um just self-reflectively i feel like i need to get a few more under my belt with sure kind of people or random folks that I feel maybe a bit more comfortable with, but I definitely look forward to diving into that space and hopefully being a little bit more of an advocate within that little, you know, lunch door community that you're, you're kind of slowly building. Um, I know for Christmas you got a new logo. I did. My, my wife, who's an amazing graphic designer, um, put together a really rad logo for us and we'll, we'll probably see at some point, um, those kind of edited into the the show icons if it's cool with everybody um it's it's a a, a little it's orange and black it's luchador it's lunchador it's um the type treatment is awesome and she came up with a really cool little um luchador icon for us so i'm stoked for that because i was looking at my logo and although i love my logo i feel like i need to do something else with it um and not just like the name or, you know, something like that, but it would be really cool to get that lunch door thing right tagged right in there. Oh yeah. It's coming. Um, (laughs) she's, she's been off since just before Christmas and I was like, Hey, can I get those files? She's like, yeah, I'm not touching my computer until I actually get paid again. So (laughs) I was like, okay, fair enough. So she's back in, in, in a, uh, 
a working capacity tomorrow. So we'll start getting our files and stuff so I can start building a <laughs> website and stuff. I was like, I'm not going to pressure you. You're on vacation. You don't have to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I totally get it. Um, I just, you showed me like one uh, printed off copy and it looked so dope. It looks so good. Like, it, I'm so excited about it. Like, that, it, it put me over the moon because it was exactly what I had in my head. Um, I shouldn't say exactly because she's a hundred times more, more brilliant at, at visual stuff than I am. Um, I totally get it. I, I did chicken scratch on a piece of paper and handed it to my dad and said, Hey man, can you make this into something? <laughs> and that's how our logo or my logo, I should say came, came about. So did an excellent job. It didn't look like that at the beginning though, to your point, right? <laughs> People with actual artistic abilities, uh, got in there, made it, you know, what it is today. But the one that you showed me was, was super cool. And I look forward to doing that. The other thing that I look forward to at some point, and I know this is not your strong suit, nor is it mine, is figuring out social media for the Lunch Door Podcast Network. Oh, What's God. the obstacle there other than yourself? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's going to be a lift. So as far as the, the big picture for Lunch Door right now, I, I think um, I'm going to build out a website kind of leveraging our, our hosting platform. I don't want to get too deep in the weeds. Um, but it's going to kind of be a one-stop shop for all of our shows and then kind of pipe that into, uh, into social. I'm going to see if, uh, our good buddy, McKenneth blue, the, my, my co-host with the, the beer review, beer review journal, um, can kind of give us a hand with, with the social stuff. Cause that dude is a, a stone cold genius when it comes to social. Is he really good? I'm a stone cold idiot. You I don't even have dude. my own social media. <laughs> I've got it, but I might as well not. Like I am <laughs> Everybody gets mad at me about that. They're like, oh, I can't reach out to you on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. And I'm like, yeah, because fuck that. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I, I, I ha- I'm going to end up having to build a, a lunch into our Facebook, and I don't fucking want to. <laughs> I just don't. Like, it's, it's, I don't. I don't like is the it- platform. Well, is it worth doing it on Facebook? I, I, I feel like I understand Instagram and Twitter, like as far as it being relevant to, you know, ho- or, or I should say like advertising or getting your content out there. Is Facebook even that type of medium? For for community building, and, and I don't know, it, it all depends on demographics and, and other stuff. I don't really understand that well. Um, but as far as building a community, it's easier to do it on, on Facebook, I think. Um at least for from past experience when we were doing mind of Magnus again with Magnus Apollo, mm-hmm. um, we had a pretty good community kind of following us on, on Facebook there. Um, and, and interactions we have with, with anomaly come from Facebook a lot too. So it, it's easier on Facebook to kind of put a thread up and people follow a conversation there. Um, in my heart of hearts, I would love to have a discord for everybody and you could just bounce back and forth between shows. Mm. But that's, that's a big ask for people, you know? Um, yeah. Well, the whole social media thing is a big ask. Sure. But to, I mean, that's like a full-time job literally for a lot of people out there that are social media, you know, savvy genius, whatever. Good friend of mine is, is is doing that professionally. And I, I, God love her because that's it's a nightmare job. Uh, <laughs> I agree. She, she's so let it. me let me change the the tune here and talk about since you talked about McKenneth briefly um, about you guys on the beer review journal and that cranberry Berliner. 
Oh boy. Was it really that dog shit? Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I this is the challenge about BRJ is that I try not to speak ill of a brewery. Um because <laughs> you know, a lot of what we do is local and I don't want to like, you know, alienate people for doing what they want to do. I like like anything, it's gonna be somebody's favorite. Um sure. but for me, yeah, that shit was straight up a, a Yankee candle. It was awful. Um, of 2020, because you guys have only been doing this in 2020. You've got, yeah. what, 18 episodes since, like, June, I think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, give or take, yeah. What's the number one beer you guys, so far at this point, have consumed on the podcast? Oh, man. So it differs between Blue and I. Um, I know. So... One day I'll ask Blue. <laughs> <laughs> so my favorite um, is one called Headroom. Um, it's out of a brewery in... Uh, in Massachusetts called Trillium um, comes out once a year, usually in August. Um, and it is this super, um, super tropical tasting IPA. Um, it's great. Like it's, it's everything you want out of a, a like real new England IPA. So it hits you with like mango and, and passion fruit and, I don't know how I feel about what you're saying. Oh, it's it's amazing. I I get sketchy when it comes to IPAs with these all these other flavors. Like I had one just the other day. You may have heard of it. Um, from Big Big Ditch Brewing Company in okay, Buffalo. Right. Yeah. Uh, called the Hayburner. Oh yes. According to my brother, it's kind of their flagship beer. Mm-hmm. It sounds like. Um, and it has orange melon and grapefruit. But it's not, I mean, it's way more focused, I feel like, on the actual hops as opposed to all this other extra flavor. Oh, and there's a real thin line, I feel like, with IPAs where you dance when you add in those type of, like, you know, fruit flavors in there where it just becomes too much. So the interesting thing about Hayburner and also with, with Headroom is that they're not adding, like, fruit purees to it. It's just totally the the character from the hops. Mm-hmm. Um so like Hayburner is one of my favorite beers in the world, which is, it's funny that you bring that one up. Um, but I feel like there's a, a certain amount of, it's almost grapefruity at a certain point where it's got that real like citrus bitter to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just ends straight up dry and bitter on you. Yeah. Um, I dig that. Some people don't. Um, but I, I think that's the trick. There are other breweries that will pour. I mean, it's like a goddamn Jamba Juice going into their <laughs> their beers. Um, but so, so when you guys do the podcast, you kind of go a little bit farther into sometimes like the process, how they make it, where they're from. I mean, you guys do much more of a deep dive than I ever would. Like I look at the cans when I go to Wegmans, and I go, "That looks like a pretty cool one." Sure. I, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie that that enters into the conversation most of the time, too. How's the label look? You know, um, it, it's kind of like when you go wine shopping. I have no idea what wines I'm buying. I'm buying it because it's got a cool label. Um, Valid 19, point. 19 Crimes has AR labels. I'm buying those all the time just so I can see Snoop Dogg animated. It's going to be great. <laughs> um, but like okay. um, a beer I've got tonight um it's from Rising Storm out in Livonia. It's called The World Is Yours. Everything with them is like um, 90s hip-hop references, which is rad. Hmm. Um, and that's just a straight-up IPA, and it tastes like um, strawberries, pineapple, and then quote-unquote dank. 
which, you know. Yep. Uh, <laughs> gotcha. I got gotcha you there. <laughs> which is a big thing in the, the beer realm. When they say dank, you're like, oh, good. It's it's going to taste like walking by that, that one dorm room in college. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or walking it's outside. It's one way to describe house. dank, for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, so that's, it, it's kind of the, the interesting thing with, with beers now is that we've got a bunch of world-class breweries in, in the area now and they're all making interesting stuff. It's just finding which ones, you know, are good. And sometimes the, the bad ones actually lead toward a, a more fun podcast. Yeah, um, <laughs> not, I would, I would agree with that. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's only, only so much you, you can, only so much hay you can make out of. Yeah, I really like that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, for sure. Now what? You know? So it, it's more fun when he and I at least disagree on something or if it's just total dog shit. Um, in our eyes, somebody's got to like it. I, I feel like you have to always, you know, follow it with that. You know, one man's trash is another man's treasure kind of thing. But yeah. Except so, that, that Berliner, that was, I can't imagine anybody likes <laughs> I shouldn't say that. My, my, <laughs> My, my sister, I mean, my there's going to be or one or two yeah. where you're just going to be like, nope, get this out of my face. I never want to hear about it or see it ever again. <laughs> so, there's, so there's one episode. I, I feel like I should tell on our, us now. Um, okay. There's one episode where we had two beers um, and he and I did not like a drop of really either of them. They were rough. Um but we played them off like they were mediocre because we felt like we couldn't say that they were really rough because they were just, you know, it was something that we couldn't really say, you know, it was right. Right. <laughs> it was a situation where we're like, these are two really well-renowned breweries and people really seem to like these. So we can't just say if they're awful, we, we just don't like them. So it was a lot of, you know, if you like these flavors, you'll probably be into this. Gotcha. So for you, don't. For, for like a flavor profile or a type of beer? Like, do you lean towards stouts or ales or IPAs? Or is there something that you kind of gravitate towards? I feel like being a beer critic, people also have to kind of understand what your kind of flavor profile is so they can play off of that. So, yeah. Um, I've been an IPA guy for a while. Um, I feel like I'm kind of getting burned out on them. Um so I'm kind of swinging in, in a different direction. Uh, and now I'm drinking a lot of like these super clean European lagers and ales, like more European inspired. Like there's a brewery out of um, Vermont that uh, the Von Trapp family founded. Um, Sound of Music Von Trapps. Um, okay. <laughs> As in Maria Von Trapp? Exactly. So. Nice. Their youngest son, I want to say Johannes is his name. Um, there's a whole resort in uh, just outside of Stowe, Vermont. Um, and they've got a, a brewery up there. And they make all very traditional German-Austrian beers. And they are super clean. They are super crisp. And they are so refreshing and delicious. It's ridiculous. They're so good. Um, yeah, I, ju- I just pulled it up. Trap Family Lodge, a little of Austria, a lot of Vermont. Yep. It's gorgeous. Like, um, I, I really want to go there on vacation at some point. Um, yeah, it, it looks gorgeous. There's accommodations, there's villas, there's, yeah. There's a whole thing here. <laughs> right? Like On top of good beer? Like, hmm. 
dream trip right now is go out, go cross country skiing for the day. Right. St- stomp at the, the little lodge out in the woods and have a nice beer and then go back out and cross country back. Like that it's, it would be amazing. I, it's hard for me to argue that. That sounds delightful. Doesn't that sound amazing? It does. <laughs> I might steal this vacation from you. <laughs> Do it. They've, they've got like sleigh rides so you can go with the, the, the family and, and rock out on a sleigh with like, you know, across the, the green mountains. It's, it looks amazing. Like I would love to do it. Um, but yeah, it, it all came from this, this weird little resort that they decided to put a brewery on. And they make nice. amazing, super clean beers. Like, you know, when you're like, oh, yeah, no, it's it's got like oranges and peaches and pineapples. And they're like, no, this is beer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are floral and, and mineral notes. I'm gonna, not going to tell you what flowers or minerals. Who gives a shit? That's just what, what it tastes like, kind of. Um, right. But you're like, oh, yeah, no, this is great. Like. That that's what I'm kind of finding more interesting now. There there was one we did a couple weeks ago called Troyston, I believe it is. Troyston, um, okay. They sell it at Costco right now. Um, if you've got a Costco card, it's like nine bucks for a four pack, and I highly recommend it. It's a smoked malt lager, so it's kind of halfway between a lager and a stout, and it's got a little smokiness to it. And oh man, it's great. All right. It Last is. but not least, how where are you on the uh, on your standard beers? Uh, episode eleven, you did Bud Heavy, Miller Light, and PBR. Out of those three, I'm a Miller Light guy all day long. Really? Yeah. I would have guessed PBR. Nope. Nope. I, I what is it about Miller Light that beats the other two there for you? I, Just I, in a PBR is super sweet to me. Um, it's kind of syrupy. Um, but heavy is fine. Uh, it, it's kind of overcarbonated for me. Um, but Miller light, it's, it goes back to what I was just saying about Von Trapp. It's just beer flavored beer. Right. You know, it, it's got beer flavored beer. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> it's got some flavor to it, but it's not like hitting you over the head with whatever. It's just like, Oh no, this is like a nice crisp Pilsner. Like it's, it's nice. And I don't it's just more clean, it. more straightforward. Exactly. I hear you. Okay. All yeah. right. I'm surprised. I'm surprised, but I get it. I get it. Well, I appreciate all the time that you've spent with me, Matt. Uh, it's been it's been pretty fun. The last but not least thing that I will do, uh, at least at the end of this, I'm going to make my pitch and say that you and McKenneth should have me on one episode. I will bring all the beers. And we'll we'll go for a run on like three. What do you guys do? Typically two or three? But depends on you know what night we're doing it and if we have to work the next day. Um, <laughs> but it, dealer's choice. If you want to do three, we do three. If you want to do two, we'll do two. Um, I think we've got we're going to do one coming up that are are barrel aged. We're going to do two in that night because you know we have lives to lead. But you know, we can manage three <laughs> if they're not like ten percent. Well, I'm familiar somewhat with your life and McKenneth's life and mine, and that they're you. You're fine. <laughs> Again, I appreciate all the time, my guy. Uh, I look forward to being a big part, hopefully, of the Lunch Hour Podcast Network and helping make that take off. Whenever you decide to make the next step, uh, hopefully, you make me a part of that, my guy. I absolutely. I, I'm super happy to have you as part of the network, and and I'm excited to have you uh, kind of help us shepherd it to the next level. 
Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it.